The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike. And we're going to break down the week that was in All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. Uh, We begin this week with some outside the ring news. Mike, hit the drop. Stock up, stock down. You would think by now, this is my third time doing this, I'd have the the best way to say this. I'm, I'm struggling this morning, guys. But the biggest news of the week is Warner Media and AEW have come to a new agreement. So let's break it down for you here really quick. Uh, starting in August, a new Dynamite, no, sorry, a new AEW show would debut on Friday nights at 10 p.m. AEW Rampage. I don't really like the name. <laughs> it's kind of cartoony, but we'll see. So that's going to debut an hour-long show, 10 p.m. after SmackDown, which I found interesting. Then in January of 2022, both Dynamite and Rampage will move to TBS, uh, leaving TNT. And then uh, starting in 2022, um once a quarter so four times a year there would be a aw supercard event on tnt um they kind of do those anyways with their specialty shows but the fact that these will be promoted appears to be somewhat like pay-per-view events uh is exciting so joel what were your initial thoughts when you when i texted you hey dude <laughs> dynamite's <laughs> leaving T- uh, tnt what, what were your thoughts so my initial reaction is this is all positive Uh, For anyone who thinks this is a downgrade going from TNT to TBS, they're basically the same thing. Uh, Actually, TBS has a slightly larger viewer base and is in more households around the country. So that could be seen as a positive thing. But really, it's it's a push. The bigger deal is that they are getting a second show and they're not doing a three hour dynamite, which is something the network inquired about. We do not want three hours of wrestling television it drags and it also makes it like puts pressure on the company to have their pay-per-views be longer than three hours and i don't want that either i like a really nice tight two and a half to three hour pay-per-view there's no commercials so we can get all the action in that we need in that time frame when you have the three-hour tv show there's this idea that okay suddenly we have to get into four four and a half five hour pay-per-view territory and we've seen how that goes with the other wrestling company and we do not like it so this is a positive thing in terms of the name i agree it's kind of cheesy but this is pro wrestling names don't matter (laughs) we thought the tnt championship was a dumb name And we don't even think about it anymore. Honestly, I thought Dynamite was a dumb name. And now I don't even think about it. When the other wrestling company debuted the Universal Championship, we all universally thought it was a (laughs) dumb name. And now you don't even think about it. So these things don't really matter all that much. You hear them enough times, they become familiar, and you move on. You don't think about it. (laughs) Few, Few things here. We haven't had an AEW pay-per-view that's been three hours. <laughs> at least not since they debuted on TV. All those pay-per-views go to at least four, four and a half hours. So um, I still don't want three hours of Dynamite. But uh, I would love a two and a half hour pay-per-view. I don't think we're 
ever going to get that again in professional wrestling. I know we did with NXT originally, but I don't think so anymore. Um, and yeah, the, the name, it is what it is. Uh, the universal title. I, I just, it was so red. That was my bit. Like the name was <laughs> dumb, but the fact that it was like a blood red title, uh, I know the TNT title is red, but man, that uh, when they first debuted that, I was like, it looks dumb. And then they just switched it to blue when it went to SmackDown. I, I thought it was ridiculous. So, but yeah, I, I agree with you, Joel. This is all good for AEW. Uh, TNT Warner's kind of strategy has been to trying to try to get more live events. Uh, they just acquired the rights to the NHL. They have their NBA rights. Um, AEW is one of those uh, products that they're they're focusing on live live entertainment is king on tv right now that's why the uh jesus christ superstar on nbc last year set all sorts of rating records because fomo really sits in with people nowadays and it's really the only differentiator that cable has over say a netflix or hulu or something like that so um huge huge deal uh yeah, it's only good. More more opportunities for the wrestlers. Hopefully, more money. You know the the rumors are that it's a God. I'm trying to count how many figure eight figure deal. Which <laughs> the report is like that could be anywhere between ten and a hundred million dollars. I'm like that's a big difference. <laughs> like 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 to say oh it's a range of from like ten. Their last deal is around forty five million per year. So I'm guessing it's somewhere in that range, maybe a smidge higher. Um, but maybe that helps them bring in more talent or helps them upgrade sets or music, whatever. Maybe that's how Tony Khan's getting all these mu- music rights right now, um, even though we could probably do without Wild Thing. Um, so more money for the business, huge positive, more opportunities for our, our favorite wrestlers. And yeah, it's I'm more, mostly looking forward to the four, the four uh, Supercard events. I'm curious to see how they handle those. Yeah, I think that's really good. And I think it provides a a narrative structure for Dynamite to follow. Mm -hmm. And I also think that having it set out as four scheduled super cards is going to avoid the silliness of we just had a pay-per-view and now two weeks later, we're going to have a St. Patrick's Day show because Bash at the beach, St. Patrick's (laughs) Day. And it's like, that doesn't really make sense. And we didn't build to this. And so now we end up with, pay-per-view aftermath show and then another pay-per-view style episode of dynamite and not enough build so i think one of the things that aew needs to focus on moving forward is having proper amounts of time leading into all of these major shows at times it's felt really really compressed and at times it's felt really really long i think there's a happy medium that they can find from a storytelling perspective And hopefully this new structure will help them facilitate that. Uh, One thing, though, I I am not going to sit here and and hear slander of Wild Thing. Uh, I will say they've used two different versions. They've used two different versions. The first one, I believe, was the original by the Trogs, which is the only version that should ever be played. And I really dug that. I thought Moxley coming out to that was fantastic. The version they played this week, I thought it was hot trash and we could uh, never hear week? that again. And I'd be happy. Is the one we heard this week, the one from major league. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. I was having a discussion with one of my fantasy football buddies on this. Cause he, he loved it. And I'm like, I don't know. It seems a little too goofy to come out to wild thing. I, 
Ugh. Two mm. things, two things, okay? It's a familiar song that almost everybody knows, and it has a couple of refrains that everybody can join in on. Like, everybody's singing along with the I want to know for sure. That feels like a thing. And I, I, I like that kind of fan interaction aspect of it. Also, not a fan of Moxley's normal music. I think it's kind of like milk toast. So, um, I mean, anything is an improvement over that. I, I would take Dean Ambrose theme over Wild Thing and his current AEW theme. I agree I don't with know. that. I agree Mox, with that. But yeah. but his current theme is like generic butt rock. Like <laughs> butt rock rules, bro. <laughs> it's like Nickelback minus Chad Kroger, and like it, it's just not good. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll see. Hopefully, this is. I, I kind of want this just to be like a Kingston and and Moxley thing as I when they're a team. Uh, and when they're separate, they can do something different, but all right, Joel, I think, I think we covered quite a bit here. Do you want to move on to our next topic? Yeah. So major stock up and, and we're kind of talking about something that we normally are, are more in the context of a stock down on, uh, the pinnacle inner circle drama this week was something that we both really liked in particular, the pinnacles night out on the town, uh, at dinner. Uh, Mike, what was your favorite thing about this segment? Sean Spears, everything Sean Spears in this. You described it very well in our second attempt to record this fucking podcast this week. But the fact that all he wanted was some wine throughout this segment and everywhere he turned, he either wasn't getting it or you had the beast known as Wardlow finishing the bottle. Um, and we've all been there with 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 restaurants where we get frustrated. So I, too, have wanted to slam a server's face into uh the table the only difference is i don't have a wad of cash to make up for it so yeah this segment was really fun <laughs> mjf cut a great promo dax harwood got some really good lines in uh but the highlight was really this narrative that was unfolding non-verbally with sean spears not getting his wine and then after the fact you know he he smashes the waiter's face tully blanchard pays off the waiter a la han solo in a new hope you know after blasting Greedo, sorry for the mess. And, <laughs> and then everybody at the table who had been served wine kind of subtly pushes their glasses across the table towards Sean Spears. <laughs> and it was just perfect. I, I loved this whole segment. Everything about it felt great and uh, really, you know, moves this group forward. And I think the problem is they're more charismatic than the inner circle right now. I am drawn to and want to cheer for the pinnacle who are ostensibly the villains. So let's let's kind of figure this out to where we can have a satisfying bout where we know who we're supposed to cheer for and we feel good about doing it. And I'm hoping that in this uh, intermediary period between now and Double or Nothing, that this feud can be brought up to a level where we actually do hate the pinnacle. We want to cheer for the inner circle. I don't think it's going to happen for me just because I like the pinnacle better. Um, but I think this this was a really good night for this feud. Well, we know why we're not into the inner circle right now. It's because Santana's still in jail. He's charisma defined. He has more charisma in his pinky than the rest of the inner circle combined. So get a good lawyer, get out of jail, 
join us back on dynamite and get this feud rolling here um yeah i, I would agree we say, with you would we say more charisma in his middle finger since yes. he's so fond of using it i mean that's still get like after two decades of watching only wwe I'm still shocked at the amount of middle fingers we see in AEW because you never saw that once uh, Stone Cold left. And then when Stone Cold came back, he just did the fist up. No, no fingers. So it's uh, it's still shocking to me to see middle fingers on TV all the time. But yeah, um, I, I agree with you. I, this match is we, we've talked about this feud for months now. Really looking forward to this Matt, this story ending hopefully ending at double or nothing. Cause I, I agree with the pinnacle. They should be going after titles. Dax and uh, cash should be in the tag team title picture. MJF should be going after Kenny Omega and God put, put Sean Spears in the TNT title picture or Warlow versus Miro. Like there's a lot that this group can be doing. So finish this, give us a match that we'll talk about for ever and then move move on. Like <laughs> same thing. Like I want Sammy Guevara in 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 title feuds. Like I want to see maybe face Jericho doing some stuff with I don't know, have him feud with like Archer and let him and uh Jake Roberts go back and forth. Like there's different things that you could do with these talents. It's time to split them up, let them go. I think I just spoiled my pick for this match next week too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, we'll see. All right. I think we, we, we've talked enough about that. Uh, Joel. And the, I think the last item we're going to talk about here in stock up, stock, stock down. I didn't actually, well, it wasn't even on my radar to make this segment going into the week. And that's the varsity blondes and the work they did tonight, both out of the ring and in the ring with the young bucks. Um, first off that promo that they did early in the show, the video package where they introduced, uh, is it Julie or Julia Hart? I, I think it's Julia, Julia Hart, a, a, a dynamite debut for them as a group. And Brian Pillman jr's promo about, no, my dad's not the reason I'm interesting. He's why I stayed away. That is, <laughs> I got goosebumps just saying that because what a powerful thing for him to say, to be able to even put into a story. Like we all know, the issues that Brian Pillman senior had. So the fact that the best promos seem like they're, they're built on truth. And that seems like it actually was a true statement from Brian Pillman jr. what do you think of this promo, Joel? I thought it was really good. I like seeing the varsity blondes elevated. They're a, a tag team that I've been high on for a while. I'm really high on Griff Garrison in the ring. I think he moves really well uh, for someone, his stature and is sneaky athletic. He does not seem like he's going to have the kind of ups that he does. Uh, the promo I thought was fantastic. The match itself in the main event, uh, there was a spot where Griff Garrison dove over the top rope. And that just, you don't expect that from someone his size. It's like Roman Reigns when he goes over mm -hmm. the top. It's always impressive. Or, you know, Undertaker back in the day. And obviously he's not that big. But it's, you know, he moves really well. He's got great flexibility. He gets his leg up really high for that big boot. And I think there's a lot of potential within this group. And I like the addition of Julia Hart to the mix. I think she completes the picture. Two dudes coming out in Letterman jackets tells a little bit of a story, but two dudes coming out in Letterman jackets with a cheerleader 
that just makes it work that much better. She adds a lot simply by her presence. And I'm interested to see what else she can bring to this group. Uh, she has an athletic background. She's a two-time national champion cheerleader. She's only 19 years old. So mm -hmm. presumably whatever level she's at right now, she's going to get better. Um, I haven't seen her in the ring as of yet. Uh, I have not been watching Dark or Elevation, which I think she's been featured on. Uh, but I, I think this is exciting. This was felt fresh and different. This felt like a matchup that we haven't seen. And uh, I really enjoyed the match. They got me a couple of times. There were a couple of moments where it felt like, okay, maybe, maybe they're going to drop the belts and then have a rematch at Double or Nothing because this match is really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it, it's similar to me with we, what we've seen with the TNT championship, just random matchups that you didn't know you wanted to see giving guys or, you know, teams, a, uh, a chance to show off. Um, the fact that the varsity blondes were main eventing a dynamite and we didn't really question it. It's like, okay, cool. Especially post-match. Like, wow, that was, that was great. So, um, I, I think, the next six to 12 months is going to be really exciting here in the, the tag division. You have a lot of teams. I think one of the issues of having such big stars uh, in the young bucks at the top of the division is they have to stay at the top of the division. <laughs> like you can't, you can't knock the bucks down. Like you could say after, you know, happens all the time in WWE tag team loses the belts. They kind of go away for a little bit and then they come back into the, top. you can't do that with the young bucks, they're part of the draw. So, um, I, I think I, th I'm spoiling my picks again. I think they're going to drop the belts at double or nothing. And that's going to free up, uh, the belts for a little bit to not be on. Well, I guess you're having Moxley and kinks and they're pretty big fucking stars too. It's the problem here. Cause you want to <laughs> get these younger teams a chance to have a run with the belt, but you got to have these, huge stars with it. Like jungle boy and Luchasaurus should, should have held the tag team titles by now, in my opinion. Um, you don't even have Santana Ortiz in the tag team division right now. You don't have FTR in the tag team division right now. Like it's a stack, it's a stack division. So, um, I don't know how matches like these can help get these younger teams over, but at some point you got to have them make the, make the leap, I guess is what I'm trying to say. We've had a lot of teams kind of have these type of moments over the last year where they haven't gotten the leap because we've only had what four or five tag team champions, three, four. Well, and I think it's more than just the tag team division. I think it's AEW in general. You know, yeah. we've had what four AEW champions, or is it just three? Uh, Jericho, Moxley, Omega, three. Yeah, so three. Uh, in terms five of the TNT, TNT championship. We've had Cody, uh, Brody, Brody back to Cody. Darby, and now Miro. So only four. And then in the tag team side of things, it started off with SCU. Yep. Uh, and then went from SCU to Omega and Page. Yep. And then Omega and Page to uh, FTR. Oh. And then FTR well, to what, the Bucks. Wasn't weren't the young buck oh yeah you're right yeah young bucks got the championships by beating ftr so yeah yeah we've only had god that's like 12 title changes in the history of this company well like there <laughs> haven't been that many women's champions either yeah you know it's it's a short list it's riho 
Nyla Rose. Uh, Nyla Rose. Sheeta. And Sheeta. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's something that I think it, it's starting to make more sense. And we're having to recondition ourselves to how we think about titles and title changes and your position on the card. Uh, just being involved in a title match in a big spot on dynamite says where you are on the card, whether you win or lose that match. And I think that's something we have to think about. You know, I I think part of the way that we think about someone like a Lance Archer is colored by the matches that he's lost and that Mm -hmm. he hasn't held a title, but he's continually put in these positions where he's in high profile matches with big stakes. And that says something about how they think about him as a talent. Maybe we're thinking about this wrong and we need to recalibrate because there just aren't that many title changes in AEW. It's kind of similar to NXT in that regard. Yeah. And it, and it's funny because if it was the opposite, say there was like 35, 40 changes since the first Dynamite, we probably would be complaining that the belt's been passed around too much. So it's it's this delicate balance that I think they have to find. And if you look at like young wrestlers in AEW who have like won a title and been elevated by it, is the only one Darby? Maybe Sheeta? Like, Sheeta's a bigger star than she was when she won the title. Darby Allen's a bigger star than he was when he won the title. I don't think any of these other teams were are bigger stars now than when before they won the title. Scorpio Sky. I think Scorpio uh, Sky, especially the way that SCU won in that tournament with CD going out right away and then Scorpio Sky getting the win in that first match with no shoes... I mean, I I would agree. He wasn't as big of a deal as Kazarian and Christopher Daniels coming into AEW. A lot of people didn't really know who he was. And I feel like that initial title victory elevated him in the minds of the AEW fan base. I guess, what did he do after he lost the title between winning the face of the revolution? Not much. Yeah, like, not, not a whole lot, but he, he had... Didn't, he didn't keep his status on the card, which I guess is the thing that I'm talking about. Like, the work that he's done in the last three months gets me more excited than anything he did within the first year and a half of AEW. Um, you know, the, the best tag team title matches have been after him and Kazarian dropped the belt. Um, so... I guess if this, I guess if the the point is that Sky is your number two on that list after Darby, then there really hasn't been that much revelation. Yeah, Um, because Moxley's not a bigger star. He was a huge star before Omega, huge star before. Um, Same thing with FTR, best tag team in the world. So um, I think I think there's opportunities here to to build those stars. And I think God, I'm spoiling all my predictions. Women's championship match at Double or Nothing. This is a star making moment for Britt Baker where she's our, she's pretty big star, but she doesn't have that legitimacy with the, the championship behind her. She's lost some championship matches. She's been on the cusp, got hurt. So this is going to be a big moment for her. And if she wins it, I think she would qualify as one of those. Okay. This is now someone who's going to get elevated from owning this belt. So, um, yep. that was a weird segment that I didn't really <laughs> like, I wish we kind of. I wish I kind of thought of this before we talked because I feel like we yeah. would have been. A, a, <laughs> no, I, a, I agree. More well with, defined, but <laughs> I agree with all of that. I think that the fact that we're thinking about certain people as like 
they should have had the championship by now is actually an illustration of how they've been elevated by being in and losing these high profile title matches, uh, particularly like Jungle Boy. The fact that he hasn't had either the TNT championship or a tag team championship boggles my mind because he's so (laughs) freaking good. But I still think about him in that way. I think about him Mm -hmm. as someone who should have a title and everybody can't have the title. So the fact that I'm this excited about him and I'm excited to see every time he's in the ring speaks to the way AEW has built talent without putting titles on them. And we're going to take a shot live on the podcast when Jungle Boy wins his first title. <laughs> Promise. <laughs> Joel, you got to have some liquor in your freezer just in case. Oh, uh, you know, I always, <laughs> I guess, always. I guess it's me. I got to get liquor from my freezer. I'll get some tequila. We'll do it yeah, live on the show. What do you want me to take it. a shot of? I could take a shot of gin, <laughs> vodka, rum, whiskey. I mean, I got options. All right. All right. Well, you hear it first. Jungle Boy wins a championship. We're taking shots live on the pod. We'll post it on the socials. It must happen. So, all right, Joel, you ready to move on to lightning round after our inadvertent segment on championships in AEW? Let's do it. Lightning round. That sounds good, not in slow motion, (laughs) by the way. (laughs) Finally got the drops to work again. Thank you, Zencaster. The thing I'm going to start with, Joel, Eddie Kingston delivered on his promise of stealing their shoes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was one of the funniest, the funniest things. And, and Joel, I don't want to steal it because you, you dropped it on the pod yesterday. Tell us about that wonderful Twitter, uh, a wonderful tweet that Eddie Kingston posted right after this. Yeah. So I think it was the AEW on TNT account tweeted a picture of Eddie Kingston walking around backstage with the, the Bucks shoes kind of bundled up in his arms. And he replied, this ain't me this be someone who looks like me or something (laughs) along those lines. And it was just hilarious because it just fits his character so well to do something on live television in full view of everybody. And they'd be like, nah, it wasn't me. (laughs) Man, that's some gaslighting there. He's taking some cues from the Republican party. Um, But uh, sorry, (laughs) but yeah, uh, Mikey Ruckus tweeted it and he's like, and Kingston's like, that ain't me. (laughs) That is someone who'd be looking like me. So (laughs) <laughs> he, he made he wanted the shoes a few weeks ago when they trashed the car into the trailer. So uh, I'm glad that he got them. And and Joel, uh, the Bucks were on ESPN Sports Nation Wednesday morning talking to our WWE friend, old WWE friend Charlie Caruso, and they talked about these shoes in particular about them getting heat from sneakerheads for wearing ten thousand dollars sneakers uh, while performing. And they said, "Well, wear the shoes tonight because." We're on Sports Nation. So it makes me think that Charlie Caruso is secretly working with Eddie Kingston and Moxley to help set up this shoe napping. Could be. Could be. Uh, I'm just looking forward to the eventual payoff because where Eddie Kingston is from, what you do with somebody's (laughs) shoes after you steal them is you tie those shoelaces together and you chuck them over a power line or a telephone wire. And I just need a moxley and kingston riffing promo like they've been doing so well lately and then the camera just pans up a little bit after they finish talking and what's behind them the buck's shoes hanging from a telephone pole give it to me they should do it outside daily's place and it'd be like a memorial to the pandemic era of wrestling just leave those shoes at the jacksonville stadium forever 
<laughs> All right, buddy. What do you got for me in lightning rounds? Uh, someone else who had a fantastic night, uh, and it's a shame we we weren't able to put it in stock up, stock down. Was Miro? Miro cut one of my favorite promos <laughs> uh, in AEW history. Uh, first of all, I want to thank Jesus Christ, and I'm like, oh no, oh no, this is so bad. And then he says, and I also want to thank Jesus Christ for making me bigger and stronger than everybody else so I can destroy them. <laughs> died laughing it was so good he had such great lines in this promo and you know he closed it out with just a absolute banger saying you know lance you say everybody dies and that's true but i insist that you die first so so good i could have talked about this in stock up stock down because mira was just on fire man also yelling at uh jake roberts no amount of yoga is gonna save you with the whole ddp yoga jake roberts story that's out there that was brilliant when the fans were chanting we want darby him homing up the title belt says here's your darby right here oh just so good man i this is we never saw this miro in the other wrestling company and to see him just let loose and like, I know he's a heel, but man, he was having so much fun with it. And I was worried of how they would continue the, you know, the continuous TNT title fences on uh, Dynamite with a heel champion because I didn't really do it with Brody Lee. He didn't come. He didn't defend the title as much as Cody or Darby. Um, so the fact that they're jumping into it, he's facing Dante Martin next week. He didn't throw Darby into space. He may throw Dante Martin into space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right, I'm P-Kid. worried for him. <laughs> and then he's going to be defending the title at double or nothing on Sunday. So it's um, it looks like they're going to be doing it. And if this is the Miro that we're going to get kind of a badass and I know it like. Do it, man. He doesn't. I always thought he needed a mouthpiece. He doesn't need a mouthpiece. And also uh, props to uh, uh, Archer for talking about how didn't he make basically say like you've been trying to make a day for yourself like talking about his uh, rusev day from the old company so props props here this was, this was a good back and forth promo i really enjoyed it yeah absolutely really good stuff and i'm now hyped for a match that i did not care about at all whatsoever when it was announced so good job AEW. yeah they they they, they do a, a good job with that joel what i want to talk about next uh is a little bit about scu uh, if you didn't check out BTE this week, Christopher Daniels put out a wonderful emotional segment about maybe this is it for him. He referenced the late great Dusty Rhodes, talking how Dusty always said, maybe it's time to lay this body down. And Christopher Daniels was talking about, maybe it's time for me to lay this body down. And then he like crumbles in the against the wall and crying is like, please, I j- can I just stay a little longer? It it was amazing. And then you combine that with the Frankie Kazarian, Christopher Daniels promo this week, where Frankie Kazarian is going to go like all John Wick on the elite, which I love the potential of just a vengeful Frankie Kazarian going after these guys. Um, this was great. From a story that we talked about last week, they didn't give it enough time to breathe. They didn't really let us feel the moment. They really did a good job between being the elite and on dynamite this week. Yeah. Give me Frankie Kazarian wearing jeans and Doc Martens and like a black hoodie 
and just going around screwing over the elite at every opportunity and getting vengeance for the beatdown that they put on Christopher Daniels and all the pictures of his eye. Woo! Holy like, Nelly. This is my eye three days after. This is yeah. my eye a week after. And it just doesn't look any better. It never no, looks it will, any better. It looks a little worse. Um, I don't know if he was hard way, if that was a blade job, but Jesus Christ. <laughs> I think it had to have been hard way because, you know, you don't get the swollen orbital area from blading and you don't blade that low down, right? Yeah, it's like, too close to his eye. You blade more near the hairline. And well, <laughs> that was like right on his eyebrow i mean i think he just caught i don't know maybe it was a shoelace yeah i know bootlaces can tear open your skin and that happens sometimes in pro wrestling but i mean it was just ugly and the one that i saw with the stitches looking real gnarly and his eyeball was just blood red yep yeah yeah all right buddy you got another thing for me this was a packed yeah, episode, um, so we got f- way more things to talk about here. So, yeah, um, I was really impressed with the um, NWA Women's Championship match. I thought this was absolutely phenomenal. First time we've seen Red Velvet in kind of a high-profile situation since she lost to Jade Cargill, and I think this did a lot to get her heat back. This was an excellent match, really technical. And uh, some really good stuff. My favorite thing about Red Velvet is the speed at which she is able to work. She moves fast. And I think as she gets more and more experience as a pro wrestler, she's going to develop that ability to change speeds and really feed the drama of a professional wrestling match. She's really, really good now. And I think she has the potential to be someone that we're talking about for years and years. What is she doing in my mama's kitchen? <laughs> that's what that's what I want to know. What you, like you're not getting any flavor from my mom, mom, mama's kitchen. Not a lot of spices. Like you want some chicken parm? Cool. But that's that's about it. Luckily my mom doesn't actually listen to the pot because she would kill me if she knew <laughs> I was talking about her her cooking on here. But no, I, I agree. This was a great match. Uh I really like the aggression that Serena Deep showed earlier. Um it kind of blows my mind that this is the Serena Deep that we saw in WWE a decade ago. Uh, it, it, they, she just does not wrestle the same, does not look the same. Like I would never expected this to be the end result, you know? So um, very, very good stuff here. And I'm going to tie my next item and Joel into the women's division as well. Uh, I want to talk about Sheeta versus Reba, not rebel with, with Baker at ringside. Um, one Reba is tall and I just I don't know if it's because we've seen her like limping with the crutch or pushing uh, Britt Baker in the wheelchair, but like she's she was intimidating as hell. Like she made Sheeta look small. And then two, I really love when like wrestlers we know who wrestle, but they pretend like they don't know that they're wrestlers. And I loved her just like the cheating she did while the ref was turned. Some of the stuff like she did faking her knee injury. This was just really good stuff. And then. To end it with uh, Baker hitting the curb stomp on Sheeta on the belt, I thought was awesome. I'm this 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 story needed additional heat, and this match got I, the, the segment. I think gave us what we needed going into Double or Nothing next week. 
Yeah, absolutely. Two things on this. I completely agree about Rebel. Uh, she did great. And it made me think of the classic Bobby Heenan adage of manage like a wrestler and wrestle like a manager. And I think she really nailed that and does a really good job of balancing those two elements. Uh, and then the second thing was, I found it really interesting that Sheeta was so focused on submission wrestling uh, during the match and submission is what Britt Baker is known for. Uh, and then after the match, Britt hits a strike on Sheeta when striking is what Sheeta is known for. So they're doing this kind of clash of styles thing and this, I can mm -hmm. do your thing better than you. And it's coming from both of them and it's very subtle, uh, but I really, really like it. I think it adds some spice to this feud and I'm really looking forward to this match. We've been super high on Britt Baker uh, since, gosh, it feels like... They won? Yeah, but the beginning of 2020 was when she had a really good run and we got very excited. And then, of course, she had her injury and was out for so long, which kind of derailed that momentum. <laughs> it feels like she's finally come back around full circle and I'm very much looking forward to this match. Yeah. And, and one thing about the like mimicking each other's styles, my favorite example of this is Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle. They had a story back in the day where like, I think it was going to be a submissions match. And Kurt was like, oh, I got this. I'm going to kick your ass. And then like in the opening five, six minutes of the match, it was like beautiful, amazing technical mat work from Shawn Michaels that you had never seen him do before. And just the whole story was like the whole commentary crew is like, wait, what? So I always love when people do this because it, it just adds something to the match. So, <clears throat> excuse me, but yeah, this is, this is, I'm looking forward to this match at double or nothing. It's, it's probably on the one of the matches I'm most excited for. So Joel, what do you got for me? Got anything else? Oh my goodness. I got, uh, I don't think I have anything else that I, I feel compelled to talk about. Um, I got two things. And I'll, I'll make it quick because we're almost at, at time. One, Christian Cage, Matt Seidel, bomb. Like, just amazing. I can't, God, I, I'm, the, I'm the biggest Christian mark you're going to find, but he has no wasted movements in the ring. He's always either selling or planning out his next move. You don't just see him standing around watching. Like, his facial features are always doing something. So, great stuff here. Really excited. He's Spoiling all of my picks. He's my pick to win the Casino Battle Royal. Uh, I fully expect to have a Christian Cage Orange Cassidy championship match here in the next few weeks. <gasps> Did I spoil something else? You have to wait, find out next week. And then the last item I want to talk about, Joel, and we did talk about this yesterday, so I'm surprised you forgot about it uh, because this is our third time, Zencaster. Third time. Third time doing this podcast. Ethan Page. Scorpio Sky. Oh yeah, of course. So I'll let you I'll let you hit on that because you did a really good breakdown of it yesterday. Yeah, so I really loved this this promo from Ethan Page, and uh, he did a really good job of looking into the camera, filling up the screen, and just bringing a lot of passion and intensity. I love the angle that he's taking of making it so absolutely personal with Darby Allen and saying like. It's not enough that you lost your title. I'm going to take everything from you. And they've done a good job of highlighting the history that these two have. I've seen a lot of clips going around on Twitter of like 
Ethan Page launching Darby Allen into things in and out of the ring. And it's like kind of crazy, honestly. I can't believe that Darby Allen is still standing. Um, but I'm, I'm excited for this match. Ethan Page was talking about hitting the, is it the Ego's Edge? Is that what he calls his finisher? Oh, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm terrible. Uh, but I'm terrible with finisher the, the crucifix bomb. You know, the toss mm-hmm. crucifix bomb that he does. Talked about hitting that on Sting, which kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'm excited for this match. And it's going to be interesting to see Sting in a non-cinematic match. They've said that this is going to be a straight-up tag team mm-hmm. match at Double or Nothing. So, uh, Mike, what do you think we're going to see from Sting in this uh, in-the-ring match? Well, I think we'll get the classics, you know. Uh, I, I fully expect Darby to work 75, 80% of this match. Um, as you usually see when a part-timer older wrestler gets involved, but we saw Sting eat a power bomb a few weeks ago. So like, I, I, I think in ring impact moves, it's going to be pretty much fair game. I don't think we'll see Sting getting thrown into barriers or eating a power bomb on the barrier. A la Seth Rollins. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think he's going to be super limited because just like with under, late stage Undertaker, we knew what hits he was going to do. Like he was going to do a tombstone. He's going to do a choke slam. He was going to do the uh, old school. You know, he wasn't doing the huge diving clotheslines anymore the last few years of his career. So it can work because you don't have to be doing crazy stuff for the pacing and story of the match to make sense. So I fully expect there to be a lot of Darby getting his ass kicked and then Sting getting the hot tag and hitting in Scorpion was a death driver, Scorpion death lock. Like it's going to be fun as long as they protect him. That's, that's what I want because, uh, his WWE career could have been so much better if he didn't have that injury with Seth. So I think it also helps that he is going to be the biggest person in this match and it's not close. Uh, Sting is a pretty tall guy. I think he's like 6'4", and none of the other competitors are close to his height. I think Scorpio Sky is like 5'9", 5'10". Ethan Page, yeah. I think it's 5'11". So, you know, he's going to have these guys that are gonna size advantage. Sell. They're going to sell like crazy for him, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, they're going to make Sting look like the strongest wrestler in AEW. Well, that's all I've got. Yeah, I... I... I'm looking at the results here. This was a a very big episode. Oh, one last thing. God, I'm sorry. The Kenny Omega trying to get Orange Cassidy to wave his his title shot. I thought that was wonderful. It is yeah. the ultimate like shit heel thing to do, and it's such a great kind of uh, um, <clears throat> audible with the injury last week. Obviously, if that injury didn't happen, we don't have this angle that they're doing. So, good job by them and. Uh, Tony Khan with the book to to push this story in this direction. So great, great stuff. I really liked in this segment that although all of the best friends were in the room, it wasn't <laughs> Chuck Taylor. It wasn't Trent. It was Chris Statlander who bodied up to Kenny and was like, get the fuck out of here. Yep. And uh, I, I now want to see this match. I want to <laughs> yes. see Chris Statlander and, and Kenny Omega. I want to see it. So uh, she's out. done a ton of intergender wrestling on the indies, <laughs> and so has Kenny. So, I mean, I think they could have a fantastic match, and uh, I want to see it. 
Yeah, if they if they do the Jericho Cruise in 2022 where they do dynamite from the boat, maybe maybe we'll see that again because that's where we saw the Omega Sheeta, uh, Skip Kip and Penelope. Yeah, Kip and Penelope match was on the Jericho Cruise, so maybe we'll see that then. So, all right, guys, Joel, we did it. <laughs> we finally got through this episode. Uh, this is probably the dynamite I know the most of now since we've done it so many times, but. Guys, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Other Wrestling Show, Twitter at OWS underscore pod, Joel at The Other Joel, me at Michael underscore Aranda. can email us at The Other Wrestling Show at gmail.com. can find us on not iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, we're there. Subscribe, like, give us a review, really help us out. And Joel, anything to say before I go hit the gym? Join the Dark Order. Join the Dark Order. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling. Bye.